This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal, tax, investment, financial, or other advice. It is not intended to cause or induce breach of an existing agency agreement. The goal of this podcast since day one is to provide the best information on the Vancouver real estate market at no cost to you, the listeners. To that end, we'd like to thank the following sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Marcon, a local family-owned and managed real estate development and construction company that's been around for nearly four decades. Marcon is not only committed to high-quality construction, but it also is making a positive impact in the communities in which it builds all across the Lower Mainland. We want to highlight two incredible Marcon projects. Elmwood, a 38-story tower located at Burquitlam's most important intersection, Como Lake Avenue and Clark Road. This landmark tower will feature 335 condominiums, over 37,000 square feet of office and retail space, and almost 20,000 square feet of amenity space. Elmwood has been incredibly popular with 80% sold currently, but they still have a great selection of junior one-bedroom all the way to three-bedroom homes remaining. Check out markon.ca slash Elmwood for more. And Matt, we are also excited about Sone House, Markon's newest community in West Coquitlam. With 165 homes ranging from junior one beds to three beds, Sone House offers the perfect West Coast aesthetic with a more nuanced Nordic-inspired design. Register today at markon.ca slash Sonehouse. That's S-O-E-N-H-A-U-S. Or you can learn more at markon.ca or follow them at Instagram at markonhomes. Markon, building for life. Hello? 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 This is the Vancouver Weather State Podcast. And welcome back to Vancouver Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scalina. And I'm your other host, Matt Scalina. Matt, it's just the two of us. We can make it if we try. (laughs) We can. Yeah. And part of the reason that it's just the two of us today is because we had had a person on reviewing the podcast who said uh, that they wanted to hear more of us with fewer guests. Yeah. And uh, this will be maybe our first and last foray into that. <laughs> but uh, anyway, thanks, Mom. But uh, yeah. <laughs> the, the other thing is um, we've also, you know, we've ha- had a lot of people reach out. We had some investment sure. opportunities um, and a ton of people reach out. And one of the things that a lot of people kept bringing up that we thought we'd talk about today was cash flowing properties. Does it cash yeah. flow, right? And part of this is, I think, a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are very sophisticated. Sure. And they also listen to a lot of other podcasts that will remain unnamed, but real estate uh, related podcasts from the United States. Don't go looking for them. Others from Canada who basically talk, you know, they have a gospel that they talk about all the time that it has to be cash flow positive. Cash flow. It has yeah. to be cash flow positive. And of course, in Vancouver and. What are you going to find in Vancouver that's cash flow positive? It's very. With, it, with 20% down, I should say. It's very, very difficult. So yeah. what we thought is we'd, we'd take this uh, this gospel on. Toe to toe. Toe to toe. Tete a tete. Yeah. Head on. We're going to take on it on head on today. With the argument that we make all the time that cash flow is not 
always the measure to use when you're it looking isn't. at an investment property. And, and don't get us wrong. Like, honestly, I mean, if I if I had properties that cash flowed, I, I would be ecstatic, right? Oh, I mean, wouldn't? that's what you want. Yeah, that's and, ideal. And I mean, it's, it's fantastic. But typically, you're looking for something that cash flows or that there's huge potential upswing in terms of capital appreciation, right? The That's cap right. gain. You're either playing cash flow or cap gain. Yeah. So um, in in Vancouver, though, as we know, you know, there's a few opportunities that come up in the Fraser Valley. There might be some opportunities that come up in the interior, but it's very, very tricky to find something with 20% down where you're going to actually make money after all your expenses are covered. Yeah, and we're talking, let, let's maybe... Take a step back and sure. talk about what exactly mean. What exactly, sorry, we mean by cash flow positive. Well, that's it. So cash flow positive means that you cover your costs. So costs, some of the things that would be included: your mortgage payment after yep. putting twenty percent down on the property. Okay, um, your maintenance fee. Yeah. Your uh, insurance on a monthly basis. Yeah. And your property taxes. So, so you're you're covering those, and then you're walking away with some money at the end. That would be cash flow positive. If you're cash flow negative, obviously you're walking away with a deficit, and now you've got a liability on your hands where you're actually going to have to subsidize a property, which you know occasionally happens. But you really have to believe in what you're investing in, and you have to have a strategy. And I'm not saying that it's it's not the best way to do things. I typically look. I want to cover my costs minimum. If I think it's a good investment, if I can't cover my costs, I start to get worried. I don't want to have to be thinking about an extra 200 bucks to subsidize a property. So cash flow neutral. Cash flow neutral. So neutral or positive. And, and cash neutral, flow neutral is, is, is just it, covering your costs. Covering your costs. And that's basically, if you can find that in Vancouver, you're doing very, very well. I think so. Yeah. And that's the thing. And today, one of the things we want to do is unpack um, an example of an investment Okay, so almost a bit of a case study of what cash flow neutral looks like. And then talk about the numbers because a lot of people, when they think cash flow neutral, they think, well, I've parked my money here. It's cash flow neutral. What's the return? What's the ROI? Yeah. And yeah, because I'm, I'm, I, not, I'm not making money month over month here, so so it's a loss. Exactly. But what we're going to actually unpack is that you are actually making money on a monthly basis. And, and a pretty good return. Well, a very good return. Absolutely. So we'll talk about that. And then we're going to talk about some of the different ways. We've got eight ways to make an investment where you're actually playing on the potential. So, what, so, so the overarching argument here, potential over cash flow? Uh, it, I don't think we want to say one is better than the other. I think both can be excellent options. But what we're saying is that in Vancouver, you know, uh, if if, pot- you have if to the play potential because well, cash flow is impossible. Well, cash flow is tricky. So here it is. So uh, let's let's talk about the case study. Yeah. All right. So this is a property that you bought. What, a year and a half ago? I bought it in January 2016. Okay, so a little over a year and a half ago. Yeah. Walk us through the process here. Okay. So Why, what would you like about this property? Okay, so first of all, uh, I, I'll preface this by saying that there was probably better investments that I could have made at the time, potentially. Um, other people I know were making a lot of excellent investments in 2016. This came down, quite frankly, based on budget, how much liquidity I had on hand that, to invest. It also came down to the fact that there was an area that we had been kind of monitoring that kind of ticked all the boxes. And we've talked about it uh, at length on the podcast. Yeah, well, we're talking about Chinatown. Um, and and really, at the time, we thought Chinatown was undervalued. I mean, people have been saying that Chinatown is undervalued for years. Uh, we've been saying it for years. But even in, in January of 2016, I thought, you know, it's crazy that you can buy almost a brand new two-bedroom for $600,000 in this area. And if you go look downtown, you're looking at more like... 
900, $800,000, $900,000. Yeah, the, the gap was too wide. The gap was too wide for what I thought was kind of new turnkey rental opportunities. And then the other thing was that the rents were basically the same. So what I noticed and what we've talked about many times is this idea that, it, you know, if if the rent is high enough in a particular area or if it matches an area where there's a, a much higher buy-in, then, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, and, and you know what, like... Mount Pleasant rents at the time. I know Chinatown was fairly comparable. Uh, downtown rents, you know, downtown might have been a bit higher, but for the buy-in, uh, it was actually more attractive to be looking in uh, Chinatown. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, we were sending investors over to Tinseltown for years because you were getting 24, 25, 28, three grand, That's depending right. on the unit. The other thing we should say here is this, this, uh, this specific unit at the time was undervalued. And I walked people through there, a bunch of investor clients... Well, and, often, and so did you. I had no intention of buying the place. Yeah. My my thing is I thought it was an opportunity and I brought clients through, nobody bit. You bought client brought clients through, nobody bit. And and part of that was that there was it was it was a new building, but the unit felt well, a little beat up, a little it dirty. It showed horribly. It showed right? horribly. And I mean, this is, I mean, we'll get to this, this idea of, of, we've talked about it at length on the podcast about looking past mess, looking past filth, yeah. looking past poorly uh, executed um, design. design plan yeah i mean <laughs> or staging a gi- giant um, uh, giant table in the middle of the room well, this that is basically it. ate it up right well we had we had a very modern plan that actually needed an island and it was actually if you work with the plan it's a fantastic plan but the person who was living there just had a um, i think there was a dining room table kind of in the middle of the living room and it just when you walked into it it just looked wonky and it didn't look like the, it would work yeah the plan looked like it was uh it, it was really the worst in the building, but it turns out it was a decent plan. Decent yeah, plan, great decent plan. plan. So let's walk us through the numbers here. Okay, let's let's unpack because this was a cash flow neutral investment. It was a cash flow neutral investment. So I'll walk you through basically. Uh, it's it's at a building called Kiefer Block in Chinatown uh, at the corner of Kiefer and Main Street. Yeah, Saltera built. Saltera built, two bedroom, two bath, 878 square feet, built in 2015. So what I liked about that was, you know, set it and forget it. I don't have, the building's under warranty. warranty. 2510 warranty. I Likely I don't have to worry too much about the appliances or the fixtures or anything like that. There's going to be very little overhead to run to run this property. Mm-hmm. And I know, and I knew at the time that, uh, you know, renting out in Chinatown, in Strathcona, in uh, Crosstown, you know, all the areas that are, surround there is very, very easy to do. Young people want to be down there. It's close to the financial district. It's close to the Chinatown ska, uh, SkyTrain station. And renters like new. And uh, renters like new. So it had a lot going for it from that perspective. So um, it was listed at 599888 Five nine nine eight. I should have bought it. I told you to buy it, <laughs> and uh, um, I I really did everything I could not to buy this. Yeah. Um, but so okay. So let's let's get through it here. So uh, five hundred ninety thousand is what I paid for the property. So five nine zero. Um, the maintenance fee was four forty. Okay, which is expensive. 
Yeah. Right? It's, it's expensive for the square footage. And part of the reason was it includes heat. So it's got hot water heating, which at the time I justified because I could tell the tenants, look, you're going to have a cheap hydro bill. You don't have to, you don't have to heat the Not place. Not a lot of uh, on top costs. Exactly. So I put 20% down on the property. So that's uh, $118,000, 20% of 590. Okay. And my property transfer tax, which is uh, is always really steep, was ninety eight hundred dollars, and in my closing costs, I've worked out to about eight hundred bucks. Okay. So I'm into it for one hundred twenty eight thousand six hundred. Okay, so that's your costs. That's my cost. And then your then your mortgage was. So I mortgaged four hundred seventy two thousand dollars. Okay. Okay. So that's 80% of the property's value. My rate was 2.79. I could have did better on a variable. I wanted to know that I had fixed cost. I like the idea of fixed cost. Every I, mortgage broker is going to tell you every mortgage not broker, do that. I know. Absolutely. But you know what? It's maybe it's the, uh, regardless, I chose, I, I, I chose 2.79, five-year fixed. It's a, it was a HELOC mortgage, a great product, step mortgage from Scotia. Um, and, and, you know, I, I just wanted to set it and forget it. Yeah. Okay. So um, just to quickly break down my total operating budget after insurance, uh, my taxes for the year, my mortgage, my um, strata fee, uh, everything all together equaled $2,797. dollars basically $2,800. Basically $2,800. That's your carrying cost. That's my carrying cost entirely. Yeah. Right. All in. All in. Okay. I didn't, and I mean, it's it's really smart to uh, to factor factor in um, a a potential for vacancy for lost money. Um, I didn't. I mm-hmm. didn't really think that there would be. To be quite honest, I had a lineup around the block willing to rent the place. Yeah, that's a hot, that's a hot market. It's a hot market, and I knew that that rent that I, I was being conservative with the rent, and uh, I had several people apply to rent the property. I rented out for twenty eight hundred. Wow. So when you say break even, you're literally... I cash oh, flow two dollars. Yeah, I was going to say you walk a little bit. A chocolate you, bar you, a month. You man. walk away with a little green in your jeans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is where people are turning off the podcast saying these guys are not <laughs> smart investors. <laughs> Time to move on. Okay. So basically we we are at... Uh, we're at essentially as neutral as you can get to the dollar. Did not leave a margin for error. Um, That said, I've had two tenants in a year and a half. So I had somebody who stayed a full calendar term and was happy with the place. They left the city. um, They were moving away from Vancouver. I've got another tenant who is very ecstatic to be there, 2,800 a month and very happy. And I don't think they'll be leaving anytime soon. Right. Um, but anyways, it's, it's easy to recreate that rent. So I think I was pretty bang on with the rental projection. And one thing to make sure that you do, if you don't trust yourself with rent is to get a qualified person through the unit to, to quote the rent and to use the conservative, conservative, side of the quote. conservative numbers. I probably could have pushed and got three grand, but to be honest, I, I wanted a tenant that I thought was good. And I wanted somebody that uh, felt like they weren't, you know, maybe that they were paying fair rent, but not top dollar. Okay. So, so all said and done, we're talking cash flow neutral here. Um, anyone listening right now, you know, we're talking 18 months ago. Obviously, that property has increased in value. Great investment. Huzzah for you. But uh, let's but use let's, I, I was going to say, let's just pr- pretend here that that property has not increased in value or increased very little here. We're talking about why this is a smart investment. 
Okay. Run me through why you're getting such a good return on your investment. Absolutely. So my mortgage was $472,000. Yeah. Okay. I planned on holding this property minimum of five years. Okay. So what I liked, what I liked at the time, uh, I was thinking, okay, five-year outlook, what does this look like? At the end of five years, I have paid down $70,206 in principal. This is always what people forget about real estate. Is is the that you have somebody paying your mortgage? Yeah, and right? you're paying down with today's rates. It's basically about fifty cents on the dollar. Yeah, every every dollar that you're it's paying actually, towards your mortgage. For my mortgage, it was actually a little bit better than that. My interest was like sixty grand, and my principal was like seventy grand. Yeah, you know what I think with on my house right now, it's fifty four percent of everything I pay is going to the principal. Absolutely. So so seventy thousand two hundred six dollars. So now if we if we take that after five years and we break it down on a on a per annum basis. Yeah. It's $14,041, okay? So now here's the thing. And the beauty about real estate, and everybody, a lot of people will likely know that, but if you're if you're just getting into investment, this is the key. I'm able to carry a $590,000 asset and watch it, you know, go through the market with only $128,000 of my own money down. This is what leverage is all about. This is leveraging, yeah, exactly, exactly. So... Here we are. Um, so, pay after if you break that down, what it's paid and what it's built in equity, you're looking at about fourteen thousand dollars a year, which is eleven percent return on the hundred twenty-eight thousand dollars that I put down. Eleven okay. percent year over year on the money invested in the property. Exactly, which is which is not bad. I mean, very few wealth management people out there would tell you that they could do that. Guarantee that they could. They're do that. They're not going to promise you over ten percent. Well, they're not going to promise you 10%. And I mean, that's the thing, right? And I mean, uh, you can definitely make more money in the stock market and and that's not what we're getting at here, but 11% is not bad, but but there's more. Okay, what's, okay. what's more? <laughs> there's more. So what? So here's the next thing that's so be- beautiful about it is, uh, you know, we've used very modest growth, okay? So a typical Canadian market, kind of the inflation type return on an annual basis. So over the course of five years, basically I'm saying that I've kind of projected for about a 3% increase annually. In the co- annually okay. Yeah. So if I look at that 3% increase, so that takes a $590,000 condo and it makes it worth about 607700 So six, call it $608,000. Yeah. Or okay. in the last two years in Vancouver real estate, call it three weeks. On the market. <laughs> yeah. anyway, go well, on. Yeah. Anyways. Let's talk so, conservative numbers. Conservative numbers. So with that three percent return, yeah. Now keep in mind we're not talking about I did not put five hundred and ninety thousand dollars down on this property. I put hundred and twenty eight thousand dollars down. Okay. So we're actually looking at the difference. So seventeen thousand seven hundred, which is that three percent increase in the market, which is a conservative rate increase. And that's actually a th- 13.5% return on $128,000 invested. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So now here's here's the beautiful part. So now even if the if the market performed kind of modestly over the course of the year and I invested that 128,000, I I have a return on my money per annum of about 24.5%. And this is based on 3% increase and paying down your mortgage. Yeah, so just just whatever I've been able to chip away at the principal plus whatever cap gain there's been in the market using pretty conservative mar- numbers. That's that's pretty impressive return. 24.5%. Now, let's talk about what actually happened. 
And this is where it's interesting to, to focus on the potential of an area because the market across the board did exceptionally well. This area, I would argue, for the buy-in outperformed most markets, for I sure. think. For sure, I, and, would, I would agree. And uh, so there was a unit right above me, the exact same unit that just sold in May of this year, and it sold for 825 okay? So conservatively saying, you know, because the market's gone up since then, mm-hmm. conservatively speaking, I think I could probably get 825 for my unit now. So that's an increase of 235 k that's an increase of yeah 235k plus whatever I've been able to build in terms of you know chipping away at the principal and building equity in the property. So really it's it's over a 200% return on money invested. And this is all saying that you would have if you were looking at cash flow here you would have walked away from this. If I was looking at cash flow I would have said oh the numbers you know it barely covers itself not the right investment for me. So so let's take a step back here and say okay Cash flow is not always the measure to use. Why did this investment make sense for you? Well, here's the thing. I mean, let's talk, you know, for me personally speaking, and then we'll get into kind of the the broader themes, you know, the top eight things to kind of consider when you're looking for an investment. But, you know, one thing is that we noticed a lot of restaurants coming into the North Main area, which was kind of becoming the new culinary scene. Uh, a lot of people moving to Strathcona, a lot of people rediscovering Chinatown, lots of buildings and, and redevelopment good going food, on in the good area. Bars. Good places to have a drink. There was a Starbucks going in the base of the building that I bought in right around always, the time when I purchased Starbucks. That's a <laughs> follow the Starbucks, the Starbucks effect. Um, but also the fact that, uh, you know, it seemed like a, a an illogical gap in the market. Okay. So what I mean by that is I didn't understand how you could be essentially downtown, so close to a SkyTrain station, so close to the financial district, still getting amazing rents Mm -hmm. and be priced so much lower than if I was to head to South Downtown or Yale Town or Cole Harbor or any of these other areas downtown. It just, it didn't make sense to get a couple hundred, a couple couple hundred hundred thousand dollar break. Yeah. Uh, so in other words, it, you know, it made a lot of sense for me to, to go in there and, and get the same rental yields that I would get likely in Yale town or downtown or yeah. very close. And, and not to mention, of course, uh, all the Northeast false Creek plans, right? The viaducts coming down the hospital, all of that stuff that we were kind of starting to talk about at that time. Well, before to- we started recording it on the podcast. Yeah. But yeah. You're right. And we, it, following the city, following the city plans, taking a little bit of a gamble on an area. It didn't feel like a gamble though. Uh, I wasn't it never feels, yeah, it I never feels like a you. gamble. Yeah. So the only thing is, I mean, I mean, really, the, the the full market has to has to change change dramatically in order for this not to make sense. But even you know now, even if you say the market, if if my property if my property went down by twenty percent tomorrow, right? You're still it's laughing. still a fantastic investment, and I would I doubt I would have been able to get that had I pulled a wealth management guy aside or or took a chance on a on a stock. Uh, personally speaking, yeah. maybe other people can. And, and not only that, if it goes down 20% tomorrow, keep your tenant in there another five years, chip away at that mortgage. You're still seeing a good return. This is the and Dustin you know Woodhouse effect. Yeah, the dust, we call this the Dustin Woodhouse effect. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, really. Are I you mean, a genius investor? The genius investor holds long-term, right? And I mean, that's the thing. And the reality is, is it wasn't a cash flow property when I bought it. It will be a cash flow property when I refinance it. Okay, so maybe just... To, 
break that down a little bit there? Well, what I mean is that right now I'm chipping away. So say I had $480,000. By the end of five years, I have a $400,000 mortgage. So, so let's say instead of $2,800, your cost $2,800, it's probably more like twenty five. Well, exactly. Yeah, it's closer to 25. And, and five years after that, it will be closer to, uh, you know, 2022 20, or 20. You and, know. and hey, let's take a wild stab at this and say that rents are not going to be 2,800 five years from now. Probably going to be rents 30 are gonna go up. 32. Likely rents are going to go up. It's tough to say. And I mean, hey, you know, another Dustin Woodhouse uh, uh the gold advice was, you know, you never hear about a rental crisis. Nobody's ever concerned. No, wait, you about- always hear about a rental crisis. You never hear about a rental bubble. Well, yeah, you never hear about a rental bubble. That's what I mean is the, I mean, the crisis from an investment standpoint of rents dramatically decreasing. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's, that's kind of the idea is, is I'm not that concerned about uh, my, my rents going down dramatically for this, for this particular property. Um, But I do know that my mortgage is going to go down. I do know that, you know, I probably won't have any issues with the building in five, likely probably in 20 years. Yeah. So let's just pull back here and say, so cash flow was not uh, the number one criteria. Not the driving force. And the return on this investment has been fantastic. Even if it didn't go up in value, you'd have made a serious return on this investment. You're laughing all the way to the bank. Well, what I'm, yeah. And what we're trying to get at here is the market doesn't have to go up 40% for it to be a good investment. The market can easily just stay balanced or go up marginally. And it's still an excellent investment. I mean, personally speaking, if I can get 11% return on my money a year, I'm happy. And, and, you know, I mean, really, that's, that's good enough for me. Um, I'd like to do better, obviously. But I mean, at the end of the and day, you know. if, if, if that's all I'm getting and I'm holding long term and I don't care about the ebbs and flows of the market, then what, who's, who's concerned? That's a solid investment strategy, no matter how you look at it. Okay, so that might have been more numbers than, you know, most of you signed up for. Uh, yeah, we're not accountants here, Matt. <laughs> But I think it was instructive. I think that was instructive, especially um, to kind of break down different ways to see investments here in uh, in Vancouver. Well, we talk about cash flow neutral, and we talk about investments, and and often we encourage people to make investments when they aren't cash flow positive. And and what we're basically doing now is just showing you a case study of of why. Yeah, and I mean, hey, rural North Carolina is cash flow positive, but there's a reason why Vancouver is a heck of a lot more expensive and, and more popular, right? Well, this is I the mean, thing, and we believe is, in cities, right? Yeah, well, cities and potential, and I think that Vancouver is a future city, but we, we definitely are not here to sell you on Vancouver today. Uh, we've done that in the past. I think what we should focus on now is how to locate a good buy in the city of Vancouver. Okay, eight points, Matt. We're going to try and go through these very quickly just because we're probably about already, you know, 20 some minutes into this episode. So why don't we start off with the first one? Get to know your city. Yeah, Get actively to know. engaged. What do you mean? Well, what I mean is, you know, if you're not following the city and the direction of the city, then you, you really don't know. You can't locate those gaps. You can't locate those next big areas or or play on the fact that the city is going to be putting a lot of money behind redeveloping a certain community. Yeah. So look look to the city. I mean, here's here's a couple examples. One, RS fam, RS1 family zoned house. So for one single family detached home and the city is talking about rezoning the area to RT. So duplex zoning or RM, multifamily zoning. There's latent value in that RS1 zoning. It doesn't, you know, you're playing that the odds that eventually the city's going to be going into that area and creating light density. Yeah. So that might be in the single family home area. 
Second, official community plans, which kind of plays on off of that. I mean, I think you're referring to the Grandview Woodlands plan. Sure. But official community plans are super powerful. Uh, know exactly what the plan is for the future, and you can really benefit from those changes. Yeah, or like we've talked about on the podcast before, I mean, part of the reason that that we've uh, done some investments in Chinatown and in Strathcona is because of the Northeast False Creek plan. Yeah. You know, with the viaducts coming down and and the face of the community uh, changing quite dramatically with a lot of money behind it and some of the most sophisticated planners behind it. I mean, there's a lot of potential for an upswing. No-brainer. Number two. Number two, uh, we call this youthful growth. Looking youthful. out for youthful growth. This is growth. the title of your book. Yeah, yeah, yeah youthful growth. <laughs> the, it, yeah. We, yeah, we're not exactly branding experts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, what you're looking for is is a young contingent moving into a certain neighborhood yeah. or town or or you know or city. Um, but the idea is that there's there's youthfulness. It's exciting. It's vibrant. Young families want to be there. It's accessible. Um, people that that are you know dual income, no kids, or or people with kids, dual incomes, just in general, that are willing to spend money are want to be there. And one of the ways uh, you know if there's a shorthand way to really uh, target these areas, Starbucks opening up. Sure. And we talked about that before, the Starbucks effect, right? Starbucks has the resources, uh, or I should say Starbucks has a lot more resources than you do to understand what's happening in a community and and they put money behind it before they open their stores. And developers too. I mean, this is the developer effect as well, but we've talked about this at length on the podcast about following developers. Where are they going? Where are the big guys going? And because they see potential in that area. They're selling condos. They're spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to research different areas and to buy different properties and to look at the margins and look at the uptick. And uh, why not leverage that? Don't leave it all on your own shoulders here. Rely on other people's research. Yeah, and and just uh, on a maybe organically speaking, there's also the hipster effect, which I like to kind of keep an eye out for. But Main Street, you know, 10, 15 years ago was a prime example of this, where people were going to save on rent, um, you know, commercial rents, they were going and opening up fantastic restaurants, boutique shops. And you started to see people going to this area. They could catch a break, but they still had the amenities. They still had great places Very to eat. Very hip place to And be. what happens? The money follows, right? The investors realize, oh, everybody wants to be in this area. Renters pay a premium to be in the Renters pay, pay a premium now that there's all these great restaurants and shops that people want. And uh, next thing you know, it's it's uh, trading at over $1,000 a foot. And there's a Starbucks on the corner. Exactly. Well, yeah. number Number three. Number three. Three. Looking for illogical gaps in pricing. And that's what you did in Chinatown. Well, yeah. I mean, really, if you're if you're standing in a building that's so expensive and it's not necessarily a premium building, or you can't quite figure out the reason why across the street is is trading at a much lower price point, look into that, right? Yeah. Or or maybe a five minute walk or or whatever, because the reality is that most people can justify paying a premium eventually for a close area just to be close to the things that they like to do. You know, to me, it doesn't make a lot of sense. When you know you're you're basically downtown, and one area trades at a, a dramatically lower price per square foot than another area, just because it's more polished. To me, that's a gap. I want to invest in that area. Yeah. I want to own in that area. Hey, space is limited. Space is limited, and and it, there's a lot of potential in in a community that's underdeveloped. For sure. Number four. Rent prices. So going across the board and monitoring rents in areas, you got to really be in tune with what the rental market is doing. 
lean on property managers, talk to property managers, talk to people at open houses. We always say pound the pavement and get to speak to um, realtors or property managers or mortgage brokers, people that are monitoring the market on an ongoing basis, but figure it out. Like if, what are two beds in this, this market renting for? Okay, how does that compare to downtown? Okay, well, what are prices? Does is is the is the yield better on the on the on the buy-in here? Okay, well then maybe that's something that you should be exploring. Well, and I remember in early 2016 when we were talking about the Chinatown uh, two-bed. Right. I mean, the rents there were basically the same as Mount Pleasant, maybe a little bit less than downtown, but sure. the buy-in was a lot less than both those markets at the time. Absolutely. And uh, and the upswing seemed there. I mean, that that's what we're talking about. And you used conservative numbers, right? Like, Absolutely. Absolutely. That's one thing. You don't don't uh, survey five property managers and take the highest. No, absolutely. I've made that mistake too many don't, times. Don't be uh, <laughs> don't be bullish on your on your rent price for sure. Use the conservative numbers and uh, and you know and and try the try the bullish numbers when you when you actually get the property. Yeah, and if hey, you if want. you get it, congrats. But, yeah, uh, but don't let that be the end all be all. Exactly. Number five. Number five is uh, transportation lines or hubs and walkability. So um, one thing going back to the Chinatown investment, obviously. You're a few blocks away from Chinatown SkyTrain, um, very close to the SkyTrain. But we can say that like right out to, uh, let's talk about the people in Port Moody that bought because of the Evergreen, the Evergreen line. line yeah. Let's talk about New West developing around the SkyTrain lines. Let's talk about Commercial Drive around the, the future of the Broadway line if it if it happens, which it sounds like it will. And, um, you know, and, and now Mount Pleasant, which is, is leveraging that future SkyTrain stop as well. The brain train. Yeah. Yeah, the brain train exactly so you know i mean you got to be con- you got to be conscious of where transportation is going or established transportation where it is right yeah okay so number six number six matt uh schools so um you know one of the things that i if you take the schools in east vancouver are decent if you're talking about public schools hey my my daughter goes to one of those schools <laughs> you know what to us where we grew up i mean all schools are good but yeah. here's the thing um one thing about the one thing about the schools in uh, you know uh, East Vancouver is ar- arguably some people say they're not as good as the schools in North Vancouver or on the West Side. So and East Vancouver has performed very well in recent years, especially yes. with young families. So I don't want to say that it's uh, I don't want to overstate this, but a lot of people, a lot of young families invest where they think the best education is. And a testament to that is North Vancouver. That market's done ins- exceptionally well, right? Yeah, well, no, and it makes sense, right? I mean, my my child, uh, notwithstanding, most people are very concerned with uh, the education of their kids. They want to have them in good schools. They don't necessarily want to pay for private schools. So, yeah, I mean, the public schools in North Van, perfect example. But, hey, I would say I'm very pleased with, my, uh, with F- the school my F- daughter goes to. Fantastic. Okay, so monitor the schools. Number seven. Number seven, uh, look for anticipated population growth. So if you hear about, you know, uh, in, if you hear about an area that's, that's growing quickly or where there's um, a lot of people moving, and this kind of actually pulls back a bit and, and maybe we're talking about towns or cities or in general, but I mean, Vancouver, if you're looking at Vancouver in a general, in, in a general sense, I mean, there's a lot of people coming to Vancouver in the next, you know, 
10 to 20 years. Yeah, migration patterns. And we're going to have Jens von Bergman on again very soon talking about census data and, and future trends. Very excited um, for that. Yeah, but... Uh, and, but and you can talk about future towns as well. I mean, one of the things that we've often talked about on the podcast as well is so many people leaving Vancouver because of affordability and heading to other towns because of affordability, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean they, they need, you know, where there's where there's jobs, but there's more affordability and they can have the quality of life that they that they want. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, p- check out population growth. That's a that's a big one. Um, and last but not least, maybe I would argue the most important. Glad you stuck around for this. Number eight. Number eight, Matt. Don't don't believe the hype. Does that make yeah, sense? Okay. <laughs> Believe the hype. Believe the hype. What do so, you mean by that? Okay, here, I'm going to back up. So I, I was having a conversation with a, a good friend and a client of mine from California who's in pharmaceutical sales. And we were talking about bio stocks and uh, I was telling biotech them, stocks, right? Biotech stocks. Yeah. So basically looking at, uh, you know, I don't know a lot about uh, pharmaceuticals and I don't know much about disease or the future of medicine. And he said, well, you know, by the time you know about it, it's too late. And you often hear that in the too stock Too late to market. make any money. Yeah, too late to make any money. You're buying in. By the time you know about it, the stock's gotten to the price point where, you know, who knows if there's much room to go. But yeah. um, all the insiders have taken all the profits. Exactly. Or the people that are monitoring it, right, on a, on a very aggressively uh, based uh, schedule. Um, okay, so what I mean by believe the hype is in real estate, really, it's, you're not too late. For yeah, a lot of these, crazy for the part. hype machine for areas, you're not too late because these things take a lot of time, right? And I mean, to just to put the icing on the cake on that point, um, we've had lots of clients that thought they were too late for the Evergreen line in 2015, 2016, right? Yeah. Where where we thought, you know, we were thinking at the time, geez, you know, we, a lot everybody's of people- Everybody's known about this for a long time. The prices have totally been inflated to, to it, capture this train exactly. coming in. Exactly. And still people have done so tremendously well by following transportation routes. So really, if, if, you're, if you're feeling like you're late, talk to somebody because the reality is you might not be too late for a particularly hyped area. Yeah, real you know? estate doesn't move that quick no it doesn't move that quick so so look into what what's being hyped and if you're reading about it in the media all the time chances are other people are as well and there is a herd mentality so so get involved in it yeah yeah that's not necessarily a sign that you're too late when everybody else is talking about it in fact it might be a sign that the risk has totally been alleviated and you can actually still capitalize with less risk for sure for sure and i mean even to talk about january 2016 i mean anyone that knows chinatown or knows uh, kind of the north main area realizes that we were i was super late to that yeah, party you were late with that, that with that that was the one cons- that was the one consideration we kind of you know. well we were kind of at the time saying like yeah i there definitely is a gap but still i feel really late to this party the people that bought in the Henderson buildings yeah, give me at, at, no, like literally, yeah, Kiefer and Abbott, yeah. all those people, like they were so early on. And I mean, and, and they, you know, even they probably felt at that time, you know, are we, are we uh, late to the hype machine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, no kidding. we've no seen kidding. it in all the magazines, everything else. You're never too late for the hype machine. You got to just check in. And if there's still, if it's still a main topic of conversation, consider it you ain't too late yeah absolutely sure so So, matt what else well hey we got a couple other things we haven't mentioned our listings promotion yet we have not so this runs to the end of the year scalina real estate has a listings promotion get in touch with adam and myself we'll give you the best service get you the best marketing plan get you the best price for your property and there's a little bit of an incentive as well 
absolutely. Um, Matt, how can people reach you? Get in touch with me, 778-847-2854 or Matt at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com. And I should say, do that because so many people are signed up to PCS. So many people are getting overwhelmed with their listings. So I'll set it up for you if you'd like, or you can do it yourself at VancouverRealEstatePodcast.com slash PCS. And Adam, how should people get in touch with you? Matt, people can try me at 778-866-4574 or adam at vancouverrealestatepodcast.com. And I want to say in addition to PCS, I had a client of mine who is a flipper. So if you're a flipper out there, um, there's an opportunity to set PCS up so that you see only the estate sales or the foreclosures. So... um, I'm not saying that these are the best deals out there, but often but they could be. They there are there are gems and there are opportunities, and it involves uh, you know renovating or cleaning a place. So investors, if that's a service that you want, you can get in touch and we can set that up for you. Fantastic! And I wish I could ask Braden what his contact information is, but Brady D's on holiday. I feel the only lost. guy the only guy in school who's going to edit this thing. On holiday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I uh, hope you're having a good time, Braden, and uh, have a great week, guys. Take care. Two thousand faces for radio. Subscribe today. Hey everyone, pardon the interruption. We just want to take a quick minute to thank the following sponsors who make this show possible. This podcast is sponsored by Common Ground Consulting. Are you developing in the Lower Mainland? Common Ground Consulting is a development management and consulting company with experience in single family, townhouses, multifamily, and commercial developments. What I love about Common Ground, Adam, is they manage the whole development process from due diligence and feasibility reports for initial purchase of land to completing rezoning, development permits, and building permits. They streamline the whole process with strong relationships with sub-consultants and municipalities and a deep understanding of all city requirements. Common Ground Consulting. Feasibility and efficiency prioritized every step of the way. Learn more at commonground-consulting.com or 604-807-6419. We are also sponsored by Oakland Realty. This is our real estate brokerage, best brokerage in the city, hands down. If you are in the industry, a new agent, an aspiring agent, somebody just looking to make a change, new culture, new energy, new resources, head over to oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. That's oakland.com slash join, type in VRP 2020. Not only do you get to meet Michael Morgan and the gang, the big wigs over at Oakland, you get a huge incentive for first going to oakland.com slash join, typing in VRP 2020. <laughs>